Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Nerds and geeks, hold on to your seats because it's about to go down. Welcome to Nerdorama, the voice of the nerd nation. I'm Mo Kelly, he's Tawala Sharp, and together we bring you your daily dose of nerd news, analysis, and conversations with the best and brightest of the nerdverse. Let me tell you about the James Bond movie encyclopedia. It's packed with behind-the-scenes information, fascinating facts, trivia, bloopers, classic quotes, character bios, cast and filmmaker bios, and hundreds of rare and unusual photographs of those in front and behind the camera. It is, to my mind, the most comprehensive work on the Bond cinematic universe. In fact, it is endorsed by former Bond George Lazenby himself. Quote, nobody does 007 encyclopedias better than Bond historian Stephen J. Rubin by his book, M's orders, close quote. Stephen J. Rubin joins me now via Zoom. Steve, or should I say Stephen, which do you prefer? Steve is perfect, Mo. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. And I was awaiting this conversation because I am a Bond fan. And uh, I will almost say a Bond fiend, if that makes any sense. You've been chronicling the history and legacy of Bond films for more than 40 years. So take me back to your beginning. How and when did you first find and fall in love with the character of James Bond? Well, my father would go on business trips and normally he would bring home Westerns. And I never really had any interest in reading Westerns. But one day in 1964, he plopped a paperback edition of Goldfinger on my desk. Now, I was 12 and he gave, gives me a book with a picture of a naked woman on the cover. Now, she was obviously tastefully draped in gold and covering the right parts. But I started to read this book and I said, what is this? This is really cool. And this is 1964. That Christmas, they debuted Goldfinger. And I had not seen the first two James Bond movies, Dr. No and From Russia Love. But Goldfinger was a big event, like we would do the Avengers today. Goldfinger. He's the man. This is gold, Mr. Bond. All my life I've been in love with its color, its brilliance, its divine heaviness. I welcome any enterprise that will increase my stock, which is considerable. I think you've made your point, Goldfinger. Thank you for the demonstration. Choose your next witticism carefully, Mr. Bond. It may be your last. The purpose of our two previous encounters is now very clear to me. I do not intend to be distracted by another. Good night, Mr. Bond. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. 
There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. So I just fell in love with the character. And this was at the height of Bondom the following year. And we only had to wait one year for the next James Bond movie was Thunderball. And that was even bigger. So it was just a great time to be a Bond fan. Mr. Bond, welcome to Palmyra. Oh, it's a pleasure. Yes. I just hope I'm not interrupting anything. What do you mean? I thought perhaps you'd another visitor. No. That gun looks more fitting for a woman. You know much about guns, Mr. Bond? No. I know a little about women. It's interesting that you say the character of James Bond because that takes me into my next question. As has been revealed over the many years and many Bond films, 007 is not a person but an agent designation, to which the actor playing this titular character has changed and has been expected to change over the years and decades. Bond has been chronicled in books, comics, video games, and, of course, movies. From your knowledge of the character, who then is James Bond, which I would make a distinction from 007? Well, that's a very interesting question because there's been a lot of controversy lately, especially with the casting of Lashana Lynch to play 007 in the newest James Bond movie, No Time to Die, which we hope we will be seeing soon. Why would I betray you? We all have our secrets. We just didn't get to yours yet. The world is arming faster than we can respond. Where's 007? I need a favor, brother. You're the only one I trust for this. The world's moved on, Commander Bond. You were double O. Two years. So stay in your lane. You get in my way. I will put a bullet in your knee. I think the character of James Bond is, I, I agree with you, it is separate from 007 because you, uh, well, we know for a fact in the new Bond movie that James Bond has retired from the Secret Service. So his 007 designation has been transferred to another person played by Lashana Lynch. They can do them forever. I mean, the, frankly, any number of actors could play them, just like any number of actors have played Tarzan and Sherlock Holmes. I have to say this, my favorite Bond of all time will always be Sean Connery, and I was not going in before I had seen him on screen, I was not a fan of the idea of Daniel Craig as James Bond, but since I've seen him in the movie since, I would say he's, if Sean Connery's 1A, then I would say that Daniel Craig is 1B for me. How would you list them? I'm right with you there. It's funny, um... Generally, it's axiomatic that you embrace the bond you grow up with. Sean was my first bond. I love Sean, and I will always love Sean. 
We were disparaging of uh, Daniel Craig when he first got the job. That blonde Bond, come on. Right. But after Casino Royale, I yes. literally was blown I, away. Love blown that movie. Away. Love that movie. Just the whole poker scene with Mads Mikkelsen and, and Jeffrey Wright. Two. We raise two million. And it's up to you. I'm all in. Well, it's 14 million and 500,000. And it's up to you, Monsieur Bond. Bond will have to go all in to call his bluff. Cool. Cool. Gentlemen, show down, please. Full house. Kings and aces. Monsieur Le Chiffre. Four checks. Monsieur Le Chiffre wins. You must have thought I was bluffing, Mr. Bond. Fantastic. Oh, just great. He's, you know, Daniel Craig has done more for reviving the fortunes of the Bond series than anyone because he's kind of competitive, positively competitive with all the other competitors. I mean, right now, these didn't exist back in the 60s, but we've got the Bourne series. We've got the Mission Impossible series. We've got the Kingsman series. Which I say are children of James Bond, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Even the Fast and the Furious, those crazy car movies are competitive because you've got to compete with this, the stunt and all that kind of stuff. But Daniel Craig has been fabulous. Uh, the movies have been a little bit up and down. I think that I'm really looking forward to No Time to Die because it looks like it's going to be Daniel's last one. And I I think they've pulled out all the stops. with author Steve Rubin, historian, and his latest text is the James Bond Movie Encyclopedia. Steve, we were talking about the impact and import of Daniel Craig in terms of reviving the series, and you also said that we tend to fall in love with the Bond that we grew up with. I would agree and disagree in this way. I grew up with Roger Moore. I love Roger Moore. But stylistically, I appreciated Sean Connery and Daniel Craig more for this reason. I liked it when you had a James Bond who actually had to struggle. I was watching Sean Connery say, like, I don't know if uh, Goldfinger is, is going to kill James Bond or not. I, there, was, there was a more sense of real danger and James Bond being bested that I didn't feel with Roger Moore, who was a little too smooth for me. You know, no disrespect, rest in peace. How do you think Roger Moore is remembered or revered within Bond circles? First of all, let me say that I agree with you 100%. I prefer the grittier, 
more dangerous James Bond. And I think Sean and Daniel are nice bookends there. Roger, it should be pointed out, Roger raised the profile of the James Bond series in the 1970s and 80s to a very, very high level. He, he basically brought a whole new generation of James Bond fans to the party. And, you know, we talk about tent poles today. It's kind of, an, you know, everybody talks about studio tent poles, whether they're superhero movies or Marvel movies. The Bond movies invented the tent pole. Even before Jaws in 75 and Star Wars in 77, they had big, giant adventure films in the 70s, and that was Roger Moore's territory. So they pulled out all the stops. They increased the budgets. They became spectacular, and I think The Spy Who Loved Me in 1977, yes. which was also the year of star wars was a huge huge international hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. No hit. Mr. Bond? Yes. Well, I'm sorry. The door was open. Mr. Fackish is expecting me. I phoned him. He asked me to give you a message. He will be a little late. May I ask where he is? Mr. Fackish asked me to entertain you while you are waiting. Oh, really? Where is Fekish? You are very suspicious, Mr. Bond. Oh, I find I live much longer that way. Now, where is he? If there's anything you would like, anything at all. Well, I had lunch, but I seem to have missed dessert. So you can't really deny that Roger had his impact, but in ensuing years, the, the, the characters become much darker, much grittier, and I think that Roger's films are now considered another type of era of Bond and not as much in favor. Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, how are they looked upon now with historical perspective? Well, Dalton was kind of a, you know, kind of a last minute decision because they were going to get Pierce Brosnan for the Living Daylights, but he couldn't get out of his contract from Remington Steele. So they gave it to Dalton. Dalton is a fine actor. He's classically trained. He's very, very, very good actor, but I don't think he had the the persona or the aura of the James Bonds that we've had, in, you know, the Sean Connerys and the Daniel Craigs. I think that he did a fine job. Uh, some people think he should have been given a third film, but I I, I don't. Living, yeah, yeah. I, I thought The Living Daylights was good. And I did not like License to Kill. License to Kill played for me like a long Miami Vice episode. <laughs> Part of telling the Bond story is also telling, and I don't want this to sound degrading anyway, but they're usually referred to as Bond girls, the women, uh, the vixens, sometimes villains of the Bond series. How do you think the role of the female protagonist antagonists like Pussy Galore have changed over the decades? Oh, dramatically so. I think that the breathless female, you know, girlfriend 
has become much more an empowered woman of today. I would even wonder if you greenlit Goldfinger today, whether you could even get Pussy Galore to be used as a character, because I think things have changed quite a bit. A lot of the things that Sean Connery used to do in his movies, I don't think he could get away with today. So, But this this is not something that happened yesterday. I mean, starting... I would go all the way back to The Spy Who Loved Me, which is now, my God, it's 43 years ago, with Barbara Bach's major Amasova character uh, in The Spy Who Loved Me. She was right alongside Bond fighting, you know, fighting the good fight against Jaws, etc. So after that, Bond females had to be empowered, and uh, they become much stronger. I mean, you know, they, they go up and down. I mean, the female villains have become very formidable. And uh, I think today uh, the women are different. Let's talk about this. And if someone hasn't seen it, they may not know that this is building on other building blocks, if you will, that you've put together over the years. And I, and I first saw your books maybe 40 years ago. I think it was maybe 1981, 1982. You've been at this for a while. That's the point I'm trying to make. How do you go about making sure you have everything in a James Bond movie encyclopedia? <laughs> it's very challenging. Um, the information is out there, uh, although I have to t say that the producers of the current James Bond movie, No Time to Die, have been very cagey about you know, giving out any information. So it was very challenging this time because I was all set to see the movie in April because the book was coming out in November, so I had plenty of time to record everything. And then, of course, COVID uh, threw that for a loop. So it's been challenging. One of the biggest challenges is getting the photographs. And I had to go uh, literally around the world uh, not physically, but I did take a nice trip to Europe with my wife. Uh, we actually celebrated our anniversary, our 25th wedding anniversary in Paris, where I was acquiring film stills from some of the local archives. Um, went to Sweden. I went to England. The fans are very, very demanding when it comes to new art. There are a lot of Bond books out there, but I think that this is a very special book for me. It's the first book I have a, a lot of color in. And uh, I also have contributions from some wonderful artists named Jeff Marshall and Brian May, who gave me these wonderful evocative uh, paintings from the series that just add tremendous value to the book. When I think about James Bond, going back to some things we discussed earlier, I think about Roger Moore because The Spy Who Loved Me was the first Bond film that I saw. My father took me to see it and Star Wars that same year. I think about the evolution of the character and how the character has been able to remain current with the times as we've kind of talked about. My favorite movies are Goldfinger and Casino Royale. For you, what are your favorites? I'm right with you, Mo. I mean, Goldfinger and Casino Royale are right there at the top. I think From Russia With Love, um, Dr. No and Thunderball are also very strong with me. Interestingly, um, I'm a fan of Roger's movie Octopussy, you know, even mm -hmm. though it gets, 
it gets disparaged a lot from dressing like a clown, etc. I think it's a, a very, very exciting movie in many ways. Um, in terms of Pierce Brosnan's films, by the way, I thought that Pierce Brosnan did a terrific job. And I think um, GoldenEye, the first one, was probably the best. But even though everybody disparages Denise Richards because she was in the, the World Is Not Enough, I actually like that film as well. And I thought she was a terrific nuclear scientist. Uh, I give kudos to Denise for doing that role. I have to say, as we talk about villains in, a, in an adjacent way, I thought part of the problem or the struggles of the Bond series were the villains became more cartoonish as years went on and less believable, whereas the Daniel Craig villains made them more believable and more sinister. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would, because the Daniel Craig movies have been mostly about international terrorism. I think that the crimes now are not megalomaniac guys taking over the world or blowing up the world. They're really about stories that we kind of pull from our own newspapers. So MI6, as a British intelligence outfit, is operating in the real world. And I think that has made the series work a lot for the 21st century, because you're absolutely right, Mo. The, uh, the, those kind of cartoonish villains, I don't think people want those anymore. By the way, they're kind of getting those villains in all the superhero movies. So the Bond movies can't even do that anyway. Take me back into the James Bond movie encyclopedia. Tell me some more about some of the, the anecdotes that you might have compiled or the photographs or the memorabilia, which is not available elsewhere. I do a lot of things. I mean, uh, I work very close with the editors at Chicago Review Press to determine what makes a good entry. And I think one of the things I really wanted to do was provide background information on literally everybody who's been in the films. I mean, I have over 500 bios of people who, you know, from Sean Connery down to the smallest uh, stunt guy. I mean, uh, I want people to know who these people are. The other day, we were celebrating the uh, birthday. That actually, he, he's passed, but of the gypsy leader in From Russia With Love. His name was Francis DeWolf. He's, he's a kind of a fiery gypsy leader who, who's basically put these two women together in this horrible fight for the death because they both love the same guy. I wanted people to know a little bit more about Francis and where he came from. And I do that with a lot of the characters, a lot of the uh, directors. I have bios on all the directors, the writers. I have a lot of information on... On the way some of the stories came about. One of the, you mentioned The Spy Who Loved Me was the first movie that you saw. Uh, the Spy Who Loved Me had an enormous number of writers working on it. They, they basically had the initial problem that this was one Ian Fleming novel they could not dra dramatize. The original Fleming novel is about a woman traveling on the east coast of the United States, and she ends up at a motel, almost like a psycho-type motel, and she's beset by these hoods. And like three quarters through the movie, James Bond shows up and saves her. Well, obviously, that was not a good plot for a James Bond movie. So they brought in dozens of people to work on this to the story. And so I, ha I chronicle the Spy Who Love Me screenplay wars in the book. I think that's kind of fun. I also tell you a lot about Thunderball and the remake of it, Never Say Never Again, which was Sean Connery's return, how that came about. Think about it. 
not necessarily the villains, but the henchmen. And I think of Odd Job with the hat, and I think of Jaws with the teeth. Let's say that they got into a squabble and they wanted to throw down. Who would you pick in that fight? Well, that's that is an interesting mono a mono. I think that. You know, they're very different characters. I mean, you talk about the realism of the Bond movies. I mean, Oddjob's a real guy. I mean, he's, you know, he has a, a, a bowler which slices through people's necks very easily, whereas Jaws is kind of a, a mythical character because nothing can kill him. He's indestructible. Right. So I would, I, I would put my odds on, on um, not with Oddjob, but with uh, Jaws because Jaws is indestructible. I think that was part of my problem with that movie. The one problem I had with The Spy Who Loved Me is, come on, Jaws is like, he's basically Wiley Coyote. What do you think Richard Keel, the actor, the late actor who played Jaws, what do you think he did for the Bond franchise writ large? Oh, I think I think he was huge. I think the Spy Who Loved Me, which blew out all the stops that summer of 1977, was very much a new experience for a whole new generation of young fans. We're talking about people from 12 to 24, your core movie marketing, a movie, a movie audience, and Jaws was heaven to them. He was fun. He was the character they could talk about in the schoolyard afterwards. And I think that he was so successful, the filmmakers brought him back for Moonraker. So, I mean, obviously, they loved Jaws. And for Richard Keel, it made him an international star. I mean, uh, Richard, of course, had been around forever. We all remember him from uh, Twilight Zone. Yes, right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So it was great for his career. And he was at conventions signing autographs for decades after that. When you talk about James Bond, you have to talk about those ancillary figures, which are known in every movie. We mentioned the evolution of the Bond girl, and I'm not trying to say that as a pejorative. I'm just saying that was the characterization. But the female lead in Bond movies, who do you think was the most consequential or most important? to the Bond franchise? Now, that's a very good question, Mo. I think for my personal favorites, I have to go all the way back to Goldfinger. Although I would go even back to the beginning with Dr. No, Ursula Andress, her arrival in the movie coming out of the water in that white bikini. Is to this cons- day. Oh, my to goodness. To this day. Yeah. To this day, it's considered the most uh, most dramatic introduction of an actress in, in movie history, which I think is fascinating. My personal favorite is Claudine Auger, who played Domino in Thunderball. I think she was the most attractive of all the Bond women, but they've been great all along. I mean, you put a line of these 40 or 45 women next to each other, and it's the most beautiful women in the history of mankind. Not a bad job to have to be James Bond, let me tell you that. How can people <laughs> find you... Your work, obviously, they can find the book any number of places like Amazon, but I'm quite sure people want to follow Steve Rubin. Well, first of all, I want to say that if they want a signed copy of the book, I'm doing a promotion with Larry Edmonds Movie Bookshop in Hollywood. That's E-D-M-U-N-D-S. And if you go to their website, LarryEdmonds.com, you can order the book, and then I'll come in and sign it if they want a signed copy. But, it's yes, it's, it's at all the usual places. Amazon, Barnes & Noble Bookstores has it, and uh, I have a – a uh, Facebook page, the James Bond Movie Encyclopedia. I also have my own page, Steve Rubin, R-U-B-I-N. And I'm also on LinkedIn as well. And uh, I love hearing from the fans and love talking Bond. I got to ask you this. I know what the answer is, but I wonder how you would respond. If you were given an opportunity to play a role in a Bond movie, I know that you would. So that goes without saying. (laughs) I'm not asking you that question. 
would you rather be a protagonist, villain? How would you want to figure into the Bond universe? The villains always end up getting dead. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'm signing up for James Bond. I think uh, that would be uh, certainly a dream role. But I'd actually rather be on the other side of the camera, frankly. If somebody offered me the opportunity to write a James Bond movie someday, that would be a dream. Now, see, I've thought about this. I would want to be Q. I would want to have a scene with James Bond going through all the gadgets and then play some sort of role throughout the movie as far as helping with the gadgets. But I would love to be Q for one movie. I, that was a very fun role. And Desmond Llewellyn, who played the role for decades, was such a wonderful actor. And, you know, it's funny. You talk about how movies change over the year and you don't feel the same way about them sometimes. You wonder how come you loved it. I still watch Goldfinger, and I see Q introducing him to that Aston Martin DB5. Whew. And th that that lecture is still one of the highlights of the series, especially when you see that car for the first time. I mean, this was 1964. That car was like a spaceship for the young people who saw it. And Q gave such a great little uh, introduction, of course, at the oh, end. Oh, Steve, uh, I have to jump yeah. in there. Did you get chills when you then saw it in Skyfall? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The car is iconic and it's, you know, it's been kind of part of Bond's world for so many years. Absolutely. But I love the ending of the lecture where uh, Bond is introduced to the ejector seat and he says, ejector seat, you must be joking. And then Q <laughs> says, I never joke, joke. about my work. <laughs> but they also have the callback in Skyfall when M is riding in the seat. <laughs> You know, oh, I know. And she I know. said, "What are you going to do? Eject me?" So, <laughs> you know, but that's so inside Bond baseball. But you know, oh yeah, we love that. And there have been a few of those lately. I mean, certainly Halle Berry coming out of the water and right. die another day in that orange bikini was a direct homage to Ursula Andress. And they they have a few things like that. By the way, when we were talking about Pierce Brosnan earlier, my one of my favorite scenes in the series is in Die Another Die Another Day, which is that sword fighting sequence in London uh, between Bond and Bond and the villain, uh, Gustav Graves. That is one exciting sequence, and which kind of reminded me of the fight sequence in the train in From Russia with Love between Bond and Grant. I love those kinds of sequences. We're out of time, but I have to say this. I think I would not be doing my job if I did not at least send a shout-out to Javier Bardem. I thought his villainry in Skyfall was just fantastic, but that's just well, me. No, no, you're absolutely right. The, you usually can tell the best Bond movies are the ones with the best villains. And there you have it. He's Steve Rubin, the James Bond movie encyclopedia. I suggest you pick it up. It, it's gorgeous. It's fabulous. And if you're a Bond fan, it's something that you need to have as part of your collection. Steve, I love doing this with you. I can do this all day and evening, as you can tell. But, um, <laughs> you know, I need to have you back on so we can talk Twilight Zone sometime. So can you do that absolutely. for me? Absolutely. Absolutely, most so good. Stay safe out there, man. Hey guys, Mo Kelly here. The new daily Nerdorama podcast is featured on iHeartRadio. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast feed to get your daily dose of nerd news. Also available on iTunes, Spreaker, and all the top podcasting apps. It's free and perfect for everyone in your nerd family.
Nerdorama is produced by Tawala Sharp and continues to be a segment on the Mo Kelly Show. Weekends on KFI Los Angeles. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nerdorama News. Until next time, keep it comic. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.